You're listening to a Count Out Podcast. Stardom Road Podcast here on the Count Out Podcast Network. I am your host, as always, Scott Edwards, and with me is my co-host, as always, Trent Brewer. Trent, how are you today? I'm good, and you know why, Scott? Because we're talking about Shuri's five-star Grand Prix. Well, yes, but like, there's other reasons to be excited about. Because right Mariah's now. the wonder of Stardom Champion. No, because we're in tournament season. We're like oh. a week, fortnight away. Best time of year to be a wrestling fan, or at least a Japanese wrestling fan. Yeah. And we're about to dive head deep into the Five Star Grand Prix, which is why we're here today talking about the Five Star Grand Prix. I think both of my reasons are pretty good, though, to be fair. No, I'm, I'm not saying they're bad <laughs> reasons. Like, on a list of reasons to be happy right now, they're definitely up there, but they weren't the specific reasons because I thought you'd recognize you know we had some kind of telepathic link and you'd be like oh, yeah. i see where you're going with this and it's going to be a perfect lead-in to what we're talking about and you, you tried know, but you weren't a bit specific you know why we don't have a telepathic link because we feel very differently about jungle kiona and we felt <laughs> the same about jungle kiona the link would be working better. that's the barrier though. instead of yeah. telepathic it's just telepathetic yeah it is pathetic. You're right. Anyways, five-star Grand Prix 2021. That is what we were talking about today. Of course, last episode, we kind of broke down every tournament, talk about the points, finalists, all that good stuff. This time, we're focusing on one tournament, and what better tournament than the best tournament run I've ever seen, personally. I won't speak for Trent on that one. Trent can speak for himself, but... I don't know. Haruka Kato in 2015, her five-star Grand Prix was pretty special. I mean, I don't know. You could have, like, just, like, walked out of left field and been like, yeah, I love Tetsuya Naito's run in the G1. I mean, he had some good runs. He did. I, he did. I feel like Tetsuya Naito's run isn't very important on this show. No, but, like, I said greatest tournament run ever that I've seen. Like, you could easily have come back. I'm not doing this. We're not doing the Tetsuya Naito conversation. Love Tetsuya Naito, by the way. This isn't a disrespected him. I don't know. Uh, you, you've rocked up to this recording pulling a Tetsuya Naito. You're not wearing a suit. You're not classy. You've done the T-shirt. Hey, I think it's a great style. I think uh, the T-shirt's always a great choice. Um, but back on topic here. Uh, this, this tournament's very crucial, I think, for stardom in many ways. This is when... The Grand Prix went from, definitively went from a good tournament to, as we call it, the tournament, right? You kind of just mm-hmm. hyped up the upcoming one. And I look at this field, right? And, you know, we had the debate, is 2022, 2021 the better tournament? I think anyone could pick between the two and they wouldn't be wrong. I look at the 2021 lineup. It's insane, where we are now compared to then, right? Because we had the likes of Ruaka in there, uh, you know, not rookie Unagi Sayaka, essentially. That was when Micah was still new. Fukigan Death was filling in for Natsuko Tora. 
um, you know, Koguma, who's no longer in it, Saki Kashima, who's no longer in it. Back then, Mina Shirakawa was not Mina Shirakawa of now. Like, although we'd see glimpses in this tournament. We do. We do. This is the first tournament where she started to break out for mm. a lot of people. Uh, but it's just thinking back where we are then and where we are now, how much the landscape of stardom has changed and how much the bar has been raised. Yeah. It, in, in previous years, there's always like a few people in the tournament where you were sort of accepting like there's going to be a couple of filler matches because they're kind of getting their chops in. Uh, in 2023, you look at the tournament now, and really that's not the case. Like, even the people you point to and say, oh, well, this is a chance for them to grow and improve. Their level is already substantially higher than the equivalency in these sort of tournaments. And look, 2021, I feel like, was a pretty strong tournament, like, looking back on previous years. Like, just they kept yeah. building up that lower-end standard. Obviously, the high-end has always been fantastic, although you can also argue the high-end has been risen as well with these tournaments over the years. But it was really that sort of bottom and middle class that took that step up in a few years. And you had to... You have to be delivering at a certain standard to get in. It's not just a, oh, well, we're filling, filling spaces on the card, you know. This person, eh, do they deserve it? Maybe, maybe not. Now it's like you don't have that choice. You know, we've talked ad nauseum about, like, the people who could have and arguably should be in 2023's tournament that are missing out. That wasn't really a case in 2021. So back then we had 91 matches to watch, including the final uh, the year after, of course, became 157, and now we're back down to the mm. low 91. Uh, but this tournament is really a tale of two tournaments. It is a first half and a second half, I think we can both agree on, um, that really shook it up, but it would be unfair for us to completely skip the story of Shuri and mm. heading into this tournament. Um, Shuri, at the beginning of 2021, was the reigning SWA champion, of course. And she was having a good reign with that belt. Like that, the next couple months, she would defend against Momo Watanabe, Azumi, and the Azumi match is a standout match for both of them. Mm. Um, I remember that vividly. She had that kind of let big time letdown against Konami at All Star Dream Cinderella. Um, it didn't that time. Right. And then we went into the Cinderella tournament where it became very clear that Shuri would be challenging next against Utami. And they would build that match, say, I'm going to win the tournament, I'll challenge you. Utami's like, I'll win the tournament, and I'll challenge you. It's like, all right, bud. Um, ultimately, the forgotten match, as I like to call it, Shuri would beat Utami in the tournament, and then Utami would go on to lose to... Good, Trent. It's Unagi. <laughs> Shuri lost to Unagi via over the top rope, of course. And that would be where we lead to Tokyo Dream Cinderella, where the match between Shuri and Utami would happen. And I call it the match because it is the one that not only changed everything for Shuri, not only changed everything for Utami, changed everything for Stardom. Mm. You know, they were on a steady rise right that all-star dream cinderella felt like a nice pinpoint of that that era of the you know first year pandemic let's end it here end it in a big way how do we grow from here that match brought it from like the steady pace to the stratosphere in a lot of ways and it's 
really where Shuri, I think, to a lot of people became, oh, she's she's not just great. She's not just like this great veteran to have on the roster. She's one of the very best in the world. Yeah, I think a lot of people kind of accepted that Shuri was a very talented wrestler. But maybe the question was, was she someone that you could build the company around? Did she have the innate charisma to get over with not just maybe a domestic audience, but in a worldwide sense as well? And obviously, in hindsight, we look at where she's gone through and what her place and standing is in terms of like the, the higher picture of wrestling. And it's clear that she was able to get over, both with this match and subsequent runs, which then included the red belt. Um, but, yeah, it was a, a lot of people kind of thought she was just going to be a steady upper mid-card hand for stardom, and maybe they weren't going to give her that kind of push. Now, the question is, were they, or was it just kind of a, a fortunate victim of circumstance and, like, everything kind of lined up to allow that to come about? We can't know. We don't have insight into Rossi's brain. But looking at the roster itself and how it was all trying to grow from mid-2020 when everything kind of got reset, having an established veteran like Shuri, having someone with proven real-world skill, not just pro wrestling skill, but she was a legitimate fighter. She did Pancras. She did UFC. You know, she had that established. So being able to build people trying to challenge that kind of wrestler I think really gave them a nice solid base to build the next generation around. Shuri became that final boss for not just Utami, but like the entire roster was chasing her because back in 2020 when she came in and pretty much joined stardom, she was protected like nobody else. You just didn't necessarily realise it at first because she wasn't being put in main event situations and singles matches where that was more obvious that who she was beating and who wasn't beating her. Yeah, she was an interesting spot, right? Like Shuri was a very interesting spot. I remember I remember at the time she was obviously very protected. She didn't lose a lot, especially in that first five-star Grand Prix that she was mm. in the year prior. Um, and she was very close to winning. She was a win away, of course, she didn't even get to compete in the last match. But I don't know if after the Shuri Utami match, we all walked away saying yeah, she's got to win the five-star Grand Prix now. I don't think anyone walked away saying that. I think a lot of people walked away saying, oh, yeah, we should run that match back, obviously, right, because it went to a draw. But no one was – I don't think there was an entire overhaul of let's just change the direction now. At that yeah, point, uh, a lot of people thought Julia was winning it. Like, we, we joke about, like, 2022 was, like, postmarked from the beginning was always going to be Julia. But 2021, she was the favourite too. And, like, there was maybe, there was a minor ground swelling of people wanting Shuri to win it because of what happened at the sure. uh, in that 5.5-star really match that they had. But I don't think people necessarily had her pegged as, that's how they were going to run it back. Yeah. Um, and I think ultimately everyone thought the story was going to be Utami beating Shuri, yeah. kind of getting over that hurdle sooner than it ended up happening. And I remember that match fondly, obviously. It's one of my favorite matches of all time. I actually wrote, like, a very long article about it, um, like, right after for Voice of Wrestling. Probably my best, truthfully. Um, it is what it is. But she, she wrote this great, great... Um, it was like a multiple. It was a. It was a multiple screenshot tweet 
about the ma- following the match. And I'm going to read it here. Um, she said, I was called the strongest woman in the world, but I lost to Mayu Utami in a match for the belt on October 3rd last year and drew with Utami Hayashida on June 12th this year. I've been wrestling for 13 years, and at the beginning, I didn't have any strength at all. I trained to death in martial arts. I don't want to be underestimated. I thought that one loss would be the death of me in a fight. I became a kickboxing champion, MMA champion, and got a contract with the world's best UFC. In professional wrestling, I was a CMLL champion in Mexico, but I didn't get much attention. I was frustrated because I had gotten results and had gone from being weak to being strong. I was even jealous of the people who were in the spotlight. I hated myself for that. I had to get it right, I thought. I joined Storm to win the big belt, and now I'm here in the most popular and shining women's wrestling. I want to shine. I want to be the best in wrestling. I want to wear a big belt. I want to show my mother, who passed away last year, what I can do. I also want to show my mother, who passed away last year, that I'm ca- what I'm capable of. They gave me a lot of power. When I was entering the venue on June 12th, I could see the expressions on the faces of each and every person on the side of the aisle. I was very happy because I felt like they were telling me to do my best. When I made my wrestling debut at Hustle, I was unpaid for about two years. I prepared all the costumes and gowns for the seniors, washed and dried them when I was done, helped out at the dojo when there was a photo shoot, practiced, had a part-time job, my health was getting worse, I didn't have much money, and people said I looked shabby. But I don't know why I was able to keep going. I couldn't say I wanted to quit. Part of it was because I couldn't say I wanted to quit. But more than anything, it was because I had people who supported me and gave me a place to shine in the ring. Originally, I wanted to be an actress, and I was doing stage performances, but I couldn't see the light at all. I felt like I was at the bottom. I had never seen wrestling before, and I found a place to shine. I was determined to make it here, and I did. Because of that experience, I'm here now. There's no right answer in professional wrestling. I want to show my own way of life through wrestling. I thought, it doesn't matter how uncool I look. I am who I am. You should be confident in what you've done. I don't know how long I'll be able to do this, but I want to be able to show my way of life as a professional wrestler in the ring. I want to live a life with no regrets. I'm going to become a woman with a core like my mother, whom I love, and I'm going to push forward. I hope you will continue to support me in spite of this. So, after that, I remember reading that, put it in the article because, like, this is very meaningful. I think this will Mm. hit a lot of people post-match because the match itself took off. You had Mm. people from Sports Illustrated talking about it. You had every wrestling head in the business talking about it, right? It was a match that really took off and sent Shuri to a completely new level. Now, again, that didn't change a lot of people's minds heading into the five-star Grand Prix. And I still don't know what the result of the five-star Grand Prix was going to be. Hmm. There was a real chance the final was going to be Shuri and Julia, I think. Because that was your main story really heading into that. Of course, that same year, and I don't want to overlook this, Shuri was also in the midst of a tag team run with Julia. ALK, of course, formed. And Shuri was kind of the dominant force while Julia was trying to pick herself up at the same time. Right after she got her head shaved via Tam Nakano at All-Star Dream Cinderella, she was trying to pick herself up. They had this great tag team run. 
And then you get to the five-star Grand Prix, and they're your two favorites. Julia, the heavy favorite. Shuri, the backup option in a lot of ways. Now that we get to this tournament, I could tell you after the first two nights, Shuri did not, no, no longer felt like a backup option. <laughs> she walked through the likes of Saya Kamatani and Micah. So we're gonna we're gonna start there. Of course, this was the beginning of the live double night mm-hmm. Grand Prix that Stardom started. We'll not be doing that this year. Instead, we're just doing one night, ten matches, calling it a day. But back then, it was a two round opener at the Yokohama Budokan, which I believe is where the final is this year. Yes, it is. There's yes. they ended it at Oda Ward that year. They're actually starting it at Oda Ward this year and ending it at Yokohama Budokan. So a big time switch. Uh, but nonetheless, you know they're going to do great numbers because that's what they do. And the, the Budokan is kind of like a second home for them in a lot of ways. Yeah. Oda Ward's a big venue for them. Obviously Kirk and Hall is kind of a spiritual home, especially for modern day stardom. But once you get outside of the like in a city, Tokyo, because Yokohama is part of the wider mun- municipality. But that Yokohama Budokan, they run that a lot. They run that for New Blood Premium, which gives you kind of an idea of how much they do lean on that. Yeah, that's their that's their home. That's their trust. Hmm. And they're putting the five-star Grand Prix final there. This year, though, it opened it up. She opened it up, like I said, with a match against Saya Kamatani. Saya Kamatani, the same Saya Kamatani who went on later that year to win the Wonder of Stardom Championship. Yeah. Um, I. I remember this match because it wasn't the most talked about match of that first night, but as a lot of Shuri's tournament was, it was great. Yeah. Like that, that was the one thing with the two nights back to back. Um, there was just, and cause they stacked both nights cause obviously they're pay-per-view events. They're wanting to kick things off with a bang. And there was so many solid matches like throughout these two nights you get matches like this Sai Kamatani match, which just kind of get forgotten about. Now, is it one of Shuri's best matches of the tournament? Maybe not, but like that's a yeah, it's a very high bar to have to climb. It's like and maybe being in the five bottom half out of the yeah nine, yeah, it, and that's yeah, not between fair. five and <laughs> five and eight kind of thing. But it's just a rough situation because it's a really good match that just gets overshadowed by so many other great matches, both from Shuri and the rest of the competition. But in particular, yeah. Shuri's run. Um, this is a really good match. Like what it's great at doing is. It kind of establishes where Sai Kamatani's at at this point in time. She's had the red belt match against Utami at All Star Grand uh, Dream Queendom, um, which caught a lot of people off guard, both in the announcement and how good it was. Um, yeah. She obviously had the Cinderella tournament victory and a good match against Tam Nakano. It was clear that they were building to her being a future star. And this was kind of, you know, what Shuri's so good at being is a litmus test is what kind of match can you get? Now, with Sai Kapitani, she delivered a great match. Wouldn't be the best match of the year from her, but it gives you a good, solid sort of grounding point of, like, this is where she's at. And obviously, Shuri gets a great match here, um, but it does a great job of kind of building everyone else up. And she does that throughout the tournament. If anyone's wondering the match that maybe made you forget about it is Momo Watanabe versus Mayu Yatani that followed it. Mm, yeah, that that match included Momo introducing her new finisher, where she dropped Mayu directly on her head, as you'd expect, <laughs> and also had Micah defeating the World of Stardom champion Utami in the mm. main event. 
So, and those two always have the kind of chemistry that steals the show. Yes. Uh, the night two, like I said, she defeated Micah. And I vividly remember that match because she dropped Micah right on her head with the reunion. Mm. Right yep. on her head. And I said, <laughs> I remember playing that back. And I said, if she's willing to do this to her friends, what's she willing to do to everyone else? Uh, that was a tremendous match. At that point, I believed it to be Micah's best match of her mm -hmm. career. Um, and I also believed it was one of Shuri's just continued great run. And it really set the pace for what the run was going to be for Shuri. Not only going 2-0 on that opening weekend, but doing so against those two and that those former matches, it really woke you up to what we were about to witness. Yeah, and Mike is another case where, like, at this point in time in 2021, she'd been wrestling there for about a year. So, like, about a year. She'd been wrestling there for a year. So she had that establishing kind of aspect. But I feel like she was still finding her way a little bit. This was kind of getting to the point where she was just starting to unlock how good she could be in the ring. And this match and then the Utami match the previous night kind of really established, like, what to expect from Micah moving forward. Unfortunately, I think Micah's five-star Grand Prix run was derailed a little bit in the aftermath of this match because she was very clearly suffering from neck issues because it didn't just look like she got dropped on her head. She got dropped on her head. Oh, and yeah. you, do, you do notice, like, because the Rio and was still a relatively new move in Shrew's Arsenal at this time. The Kamatani, when she hit Kamatani with her, it was quite high on the neck as well. This one, even more so. And you do see her dial back the angle that she's hitting the rear on moving forward, which I think was a necessary thing for the safety of everyone. Um, still trying to find that sweet spot between devastating and legitimately dangerous. Um, unfortunately, yeah, Micah did get hurt a little bit, but the match itself was tremendous. Yeah, she punted her. I vividly remember that. She punt Shuri punted Micah's head off mm. and then proceeded to hit the Ryu. And I was like, uh, uh, you no one could see me, but I was like on the brink of vomiting because it was amazing. Uh, <laughs> um, but her next match is where you know you'd expect the one of the best spoilers in the tournament, Azumi pinning Shuri mm -hmm. to to now screw up that entire run at the start, right? Um, in a great match, another yeah. great match between these two. One thing that these two have, and I think it's so interesting, right? Because it's high-speed wrestler against this MMA-based wrestler in Shuri. And those these two have clicked every single match they had. Mm. Um, it's a shame that they're not wrestling this year, uh, but it's okay. I'll make the next one all the sweeter. Uh, but, the you know, Azumi pulls off the win in the main event, 13 minutes, 38 seconds, at the Osaka Arena number two. Mm. Um, and that's where not only one is Shuri still had three great matches off the bat, but now it's like, again, we're still in our heads thinking Julia's winning at this point. Yeah. Azumi is like, she was the Saki Kashima for Shuri before Saki Kashima. In the sense that, like, she was kind of antagonistic towards uh, Shuri, but always, whenever they had a match with each other, it was exciting, and you never truly knew who was going to win. Which, for a Shuri match, is quite unusual. You know, you look at like Shuri's history; she doesn't drop many matches. You know, if you've got a singles victory over Shuri, you've done a hell of a job. More than more than one victory against her is very rare company in, indeed. Like, I think since she joined in twenty twenty. 
there's only like three people who have done that. I think it's Julia, it's Azumi, and Saki Kashima who has scored more than one singles victory over Shuri. So this was when the schedule was very unique in that, so for those who don't remember, Takumi Aroha and Hameka were both dealing with, well, Takumi had just come back from injury mm. that she was out for a year for, essentially. She was out a little less, but it was a brutal leg injury, knee injury. She pretty much got her completely repaired. And Hameka had been dealing with injuries for a while. So she came back a little later in the tournament. Um, so Shuri was off for a month. She didn't, from from the <laughs> Azumi match to the next match, which was against Utami in the main event of um, the this, what, what number of show was this? Nine. She went from the third show to the ninth show. She had re- competed on the first three shows of the tournament, and then she didn't compete for a while. And heading into this match with Utami, obviously big hype around it mm. because, you know, we're coming off that match earlier in the year. You know probably neither is going to win, but there's still hype and excitement, and they go to a 20-minute draw. Yeah. That that was, yeah, everyone was predicting the draw, even with, like, this is the first time we'd been running 20-minute matches in the five-star Grand Prix, which I think is important to note because it changes the dynamic of these matches a lot. You know, early, early years in the five-star Grand Prix, these are often used as kind of like, not necessarily early years, but like probably 2017 to 2020, these tournament matches were kind of used as previews for what could come in future matches when they were given unlimited time and they were sort of stretching the bounds a bit more. Now with 20 minutes, you can tell like a proper match story, especially for wrestlers like these who, you know, like to use the time. Like they went to, what, 43 minutes, I think the uh, the match for them eventually went for, uh, the 5.5 star classic this one yeah everyone knew it was going to be 20 minutes but what they did so well was because this was i think match four in their story when you're looking at the cinderella tournament matches that had in the past as well match four in their story so they know each other really well but what they managed to do is tell a different story to what they had been doing this goes hard from the fast you know, they're aware that 30 minutes wasn't enough to beat each other just a month or two ago so they go hard at each other And for 20 minutes, it's just back and forth, hard-hitting action, kind of highlighting the best of each other. Now, obviously, it doesn't compare truly to the 5.5-star match, but what they're able to do is tell a different story with this match and make this match feel unique, which, again, when you're going on a long-term rivalry with, like, four matches at this time getting to six or seven, that's so important. They've had five matches dating back to the Tokyo Dream Cinderella match, the 5.5 star match. This was probably their weakest. It was really good, and it was their weakest. Um, Of course, they would compete again in the 2022 Grand Prix where Tommy would finally beat Shuri, and then they'd run it back. Well, they also had the year-end match, but then Mm -hmm. they'd run it back last year for the world title again. And that match was phenomenal. Um, it was it was like another level because they didn't do the big epic. They just pretty much, it was like bombs from start to finish. Mm. Um, but we move ahead here. Shuri then takes on Konami and they got redemption in this match. <laughs> you know, I, I brought up earlier how All-Star Dream Cinderella, it didn't go their way. They didn't get enough time. Mm. They were going for this UWF match. It just didn't connect. And they got another chance, semi-main event, cork and all, 
only 471 in attendance during the clap cloud clap crowd era. Crazy to think about because we're coming off at Corkin that just had 1400 in attendance and a sold out Corkin um, with no real stakes either. Like right. It wasn't wasn't a five star Grand Prix tournament situation or a, a title match headlining. No, it was just a stardom Corkin on a weekend that had the generational struggle. Yep. So Konami and Shuri go head to head, and Konami was able to defeat Shuri, getting sending Shuri to two losses on the tournament, sitting at 2-2-1 two, two and one at mm-hmm. this point through five matches. And at that point, it became a can't-lose scenario for Shuri. Uh, I remember this match because it was Konami's best of the tournament. This was right before Konami, unfortunately, got sick and had to miss mm-hmm. a lot of time at the end of the tournament. Um, and then, of course, that would lead to her eventual exit for the time being. She's here and she's here and out nowadays, but yeah, uh, that did lead to her exit eventually. But this was one of Konami's best, especially since joining Oedo Tai. Yeah, the, the Konami Oedo Tai character I thought was fantastic and maybe didn't fully realize itself in the ring, which was a shame. But you get matches like this that kind of highlight the best of what she does. And, yeah, I think they took what they learned from their All-Star Dream Queen to match and built upon it because it's still a very MMA-inspired match, which all every time these two step in the ring, they suddenly pretend they're in an octagon. That's just what they <laughs> do. And, obviously, both of them have the calibre and ability to make that work. But the challenge is taking that and still keeping the pro wrestling side of things so that it keeps, let's be honest, the sports entertainment factor. And I think this is probably one of arguably maybe their best match at doing that, mixing the MMA with the pro wrestling aspect and just telling a good, interesting story with the mix-up being Konami getting the win. Next was Unagi Sayaka getting destroyed in 11 minutes, 17 seconds. I remember being very excited for this one because earlier in the year, of course, Unagi had the trial series mm-hmm. where she pretty much just got rocked every single match. And I was like, well, Shuri's on. Shuri's now sitting at 2-2-1 two, two, and one in a must win. Yep. It's going to be pretty good. It wasn't like the strongest match of her tournament by any means. She has a lot of those, especially on the final night. Mm-hmm. But a tournament that got her back on pace and really set us for the rest of the road here. And by this time, if I'm not mistaken, I believe Julia was officially out of the tournament. Yeah, it was around this time that Julia was unable to continue, which drew a real span in the works because, yeah, we were expecting Julia to win the tournament. At the very least, she was definitely making the final. And here it was, the the, the favourite is gone. Where are they pivoting? And... Obviously, Shuri was a, a favourite in a lot of respects, but I think people still weren't sure if they were going to pull the trigger on someone like her. Now, her going on and beating Anagi Sayaka doesn't exactly show a changing management plans. That's to be expected. But, like, the important thing is Shuri consistently proving herself against all manner of opponents. Because, look, she'd had a pretty good run in terms of, like, wrestlers you'd expect to have good matches against. Sayaka Matani, Micah, Azumi, Utami Hashishida, Konami. If I was trying to prove myself, I'd be happy with that kind of roster. But here, 2021 Unagi, she was still kind of finding her feet. And they'd had a couple of matches before. They had a SWA title match right before this tournament started. Went nearly 20 minutes, and that highlighted the good and the bad of what these two produced together. 
this match didn't go that long and only went for about 11, 12 minutes. And I think it kind of condensed what it needed to condense and put forth the best version of their kind of match. Yeah, so by this time, Julia was out. And the reason there was so much wonder as to what was happening, mind you, was Shuri was at five points heading into mm. this match. She had less than Julia, who was out. <laughs> so it's like, uh-oh. Uh, but, of course, this would start the streak for Julia. Uh, mm. Not Julia. Julia was out. Shuri. Shuri would then uh, go Julia on. Julia didn't lose after this. No, no, she didn't. Well, actually, she lost every match, technically. So she did lose. Um, but that's fine. Uh, then we head back to Cork and Hall. And the match would be Shuri versus the Wonder of Stardom champion Tam Nakano. Uh, this is one of my favorite Tam Nakano matches ever. It is a 12-minute, 11-second fight. It is mm. a Shuri-style match with Tam Nakano essence sprinkled into it. It's a really good match. Like, everyone, if you watch the Shuri tournament, yeah, go back and watch the last two matches of her tournament because those yeah. are the best two. But if you're looking for something in the middle... I always recommend this one because I think it got the best of both and it really played to what their chemistry would be a year later when mm. they would face each other for the world of stardom title. Uh, but this was a great match in the main event of a cork. And, um, and I just remember sitting there because again, at the time it's like, Oh, maybe sure he gets a wonder of stardom title match. Maybe that's where they're going. And ultimately that never happened, but it was still, I think the crucial win of like oh this is probably shuri's tournament mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. beating tam got her to nine points she had ruaka next and she would be going into the final night against takumi aroha and then she'd get to the final if she just yeah. tied so that was this was the crucial match it was fantastic it was a back and forth bout it was you know one of the times tam was up for the challenge and that's not an attack on Tam. That is just Tam's tournament run. You know, some nights she likes to take off. Uh, this night she did not take off. Kirk and Hall main event. Like, this is kind of when you expect Tam to rock up and arrive. And, look, the good thing is, yeah, this is a 12-minute match, which means, like, you're bringing the best of both into this. Because, yeah, look, a, a full-on Tam match is kind of like Michael Bay. If you have nothing but Michael Bayisms, it can get a little draining. If you have nothing but Tam Nakano in a match, it can get a little draining. But when you take an established veteran like Shuri and her match style and then throw in the Tam Tamisms, like what she does, how she runs things, that's when you get the best of both worlds. And look, we say this a lot with this tournament, best of both worlds, and that's because someone like Shuri at this point in time, 13 years into her career, she's learned how to bring her style into a match and adapt it around what other people are doing. Whether it is Sai Kamatani kind of having to work up for, you know, underneath as an underdog, whether it's Azumi throwing in the high-speed stuff, Tam Nakano bringing in Tam Road emotional style, going, you know, move for move with big hitters like uh, Micah or Itami Hashishida, or just murdering someone like with Unagi, you're able to tell different stories, still keep the core of a Shuri match, but add new twists to it, which make each of these matches unique. Yep. If you watch these back to back to back to back to back, you're going to learn a few things. A, Shuri's amazing. If you don't know that already, <laughs> what's going on? But B, that every Shuri match isn't the same. It has the same yeah. foundations, but the flavoring of it, she's so good at integrating depending on her opponent. It's funny to think, like, right? Because we got the world of stardom drained from her mm. and i remember her first few matches being very formulaic which isn't mm. very shuri like 
Yep. And obviously she would flip the switch by halfway with Reese Sarah and you never looked back after that. It was an incredible world of stardom title run, one of the greatest ever. But this tournament, it highlighted that she was probably the best on the roster at this time hmm. at wrestling someone else's match while making her own, like you said. Yeah. Um, it was like her and Mayu on in that respect they were on opposite sides of the block and you know that's kind of what that's the mayu special in a lot of ways is being able to wrestle someone else's match mm. but shuri was on that level this entire tournament and if not probably doing it better she well i think you better. can you definitely know why i can say she was doing it better because she had the best tournament i think that yeah. someone's had and that's coming off of last year where julia had an incredible tournament too um, so the next match would be against Ruaka. Ruaka, of course, had zero points at this point. Mm. Would Easy continue six, to have zero points. Easy six-minute win for Shuri, who gets to yep. 11, heading into that final night. She is not only in contention, she's now the favorite for the block, unquestionably. Mm. Um, it's really down to her and Takumi and technically Utami. Yeah. Utami, and Utami still, needed and, this to go to a draw for Takumi to win and then Utami yeah. had to win to advance. Yeah. Um, also at this time, Sayakamitani was in contention, quietly. She was at mm. 11 points. She ultimately lost to Nagi Sayaka. Earlier in the night, we're just getting to the finals, folks. I'm, we're not breaking down the Raka match. Uh, <laughs> no offense. But this was a whirlwind of a night, right? Because Julia's out and Momo is just sitting there the entire night. She, she had a pre-show match that she didn't win. Nope, Hanan won. Yep. Hanan pinned Rina, and Momo happened to be there. We didn't even see the match. No. They weren't airing the pre-show. So, the night goes as follows. You have the, at this time, I believe it was the Red Stars block. Yes. So, you had the Red Stars block. Mina and Natsupoi wrestled. I know, big shock. Uh, they, they they seem to wrestle every final. Not this year, but back then. Nina had uh, to go first so she could go on commentary. Yes. We had Fukigen Death defeat Saki Kashima. Big whoop. Uh, Koguma gets to 11, defeating Hameka. And then Mayu Iwatani defeated Starlight Kid. Starlight Kid was the only person really in contention. It was between, I believe, Hameka. Yeah, so Hameka and Starlight Kid were mm. the two in contention on that block. And by yeah. then, we all decided, all right, it, it's probably Momo's. It ultimately was Momo's. And then throughout the night, on the other side, which ended the night, mind you, they could have had Shuri's block go at the beginning, but they knew it wasn't as tense because Momo didn't have her match with Julia, which mm. I remember having that match circled, you know, pinpointed. I couldn't wait for that match, and it just didn't happen. So Momo's in. She's in the finals. Didn't have to really lift a finger. Is what it is. Sure, he had to lift many fingers. Um, so like I said, Azmi beats Ruaka. That didn't matter. Unagi Sayaka defeats Sayakamitani, officially pretty much knocking her out of the tournament because either Shuri or Takumi will advance over her mm. at that period with Otami needing a win to do so. Uh, Micah defeated Konami to get to nine points, and then that sets up Shuri in her final night match against Takumi Roha. And it was a 
phenomenal five-star grade of pre-match. It to me, it goes in the. I mean, last year's term was so good, so I don't. But at the time, it was like one of the greatest five-star Grand Prix matches ever. And yeah. that was only match number one. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, like, because I, I remember this match very vividly. And I remember the only thing I didn't like about this match was it was apparent they were working towards a 20-minute yep. draw, just in the way they were wrestling. But it wasn't even like a detracting them because, oh, it was boring. It was just smart wrestling. You know, yep. they're taking their time. They were feeling each other out. And... I mean, the good thing in that is you compare this match to the final that Shuri would have, and they have two very different vibes, even though she's going against two kick-heavy wrestlers. It could have felt like two back-to-back matches that felt the same, but the way they told the story here was really nicely contrasted with the final match. And, yeah, I actually had this as my match of the tournament. I know a lot of people prefer the final, um, but I had this just a little bit above because I think the execution was just, Perfect in every single way. Interesting, because uh, last episode I asked you what was the best five-star Grand Prix match ever, and you said it was the final. Well, the main reason why I'm <laughs> saying that is because for research, I did go back and look at my article on the, the five-star Grand Prix tournament, the 2021 one, and I had this match listed above Momo. And going back and re-watching both of these matches for this recording in particular, I do lean towards... Takumi again. The Momo match had the impact, like, because it goes hard from the beginning, and I think that made it more memorable. But watching them back, I think I preferred the story that was being told by Takumi and Shuri. Well, it's okay to be wrong. Anyways, we talk about the Takumi match. I remember I remember when this match ended. I just said she has to go again. Like she's gonna have to go again because this match was so great, it was like you said, so well worked. Right? The first 10 minutes is feel each other out, feel each other out. Those last 10 minutes is you know, balls to the wall, hit each other with everything that we got, trading German suplexes, trading knockout shots, and in the end, no one wins, they go to a 20 minute draw and that gives reason to the next match, which is Wonder of Storm Champion versus World of Storm Champion. By the way, phenomenal match. No one remembers it because I know no one remembers it because no one talks about it. I remember. It. No, I I know, but like no one talks about it when they talk yeah. about the final yeah. night. It is a fantastic match. It would be remembered in the same con- the same breath if Shuri didn't happen to have two of these matches on the same night. Potentially two of the great, not potentially, factually two of the greatest five-star Grand Prix matches ever. This back-to-back-to-back is arguably the best three-match stretch I think Stardom have had, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's hard for me to go against that off the top of my head. I mean, yeah, because like the 2022 tournament was stretched out more yeah, there's a lot of good people. matches back to back, yeah. but I think yeah, they didn't necessarily have the three match. Stretch. This year could play a role. This year could play too because because it, yeah. it's back to the same format, mm-hmm. right? It it has a number of amazing matches. Like the fi- the first night and the final night are pretty much as good as they could be yeah. in terms of excitement. Uh, yeah. But so Tan B to Tommy that locks in Shuri into the final. We're getting Shuri versus Momo Watanabe. In the 
five-star Grand Prix final. And like you said, the bell rings. It's 18 minutes and 36 seconds of all-out war mm. because you have to think about this going into the match. Shuri, Drain, and they did this great, great pre-match promos. Momo's all like, you know, she's good, ready to go. She doesn't need it. You know, she she's rested. She's yeah. good. Then they Ring cut the bell the, now. Yeah, she, you know, she's got her hair and a ponytail. She's got her jacket on. Then they cut to Shuri. Julia's there in street clothes, pretty much trying to pump her up. And Shuri's like, she's she's determined. She's ready to go. Mm. She doesn't need any of the pop and circumstance. She doesn't need anything. She's just ready to go out there and fight. We already know from early in the year, going another. 20 minutes ain't nothing for her. She went 43. She already went 20. She can go another 18, mm-hmm. 36. And once that bell rings, it is to me the greatest five-star Grand Prix match ever. It is an absolute phenomenal all-out war where you can truly feel. You, If you're watching this, there is drama. Because, mm-hmm. yes, we do believe Shuri can win. But Momo was still at a high class at this time. She's still a leader of her group, right? She's still Momo Watanabe, Queen's Quest. You know, there was no disrespect for her. Mm. And there's the aspect that she didn't wrestle Mm. earlier in the night. They could have easily said, oh, Julia was winning? All right, we'll just give it to Momo now because that's who she was fighting on the final night. There was drama, the drama you need. I think we all still believe Shuri was going to win, but there was at least that idea maybe she does right when we watched julian tam the year after there was no one in the in the world thinking tam nakano was pulling that out Mm. unless you were a tam nakano super fan Mm. you weren't believing and they just they just hit each other with everything they got even if you didn't believe that momo was going to win and i think most people probably did accept this was serious to win they I do remember job- believers, though. I do remember believers in the moment. Okay. Well, for me, like the thing is, what they did so well was, as you kind of allude to, is the storytelling aspect of it. Even yeah. if you, you know, take a step back and try I also and listen picture- to podcasts that picked Momo to win. So there yeah. were definitely believers. The good thing, what, whether Momo was meant to go to the final or not, obviously still up for debate and arguably maybe not. They did a great job of, like, it was almost like they knew they needed a backup in that block. Yeah. Because I still remember she came out so focused in that first match against Mayo Watani. Just the focus in her eyes. Like it was a real, like, it felt like this is going to be a tournament that she's going to mobile has a giveaway and stamp herself. Yeah. There's no, there's very few, like, Momo has one of the biggest giveaways you'll ever see. Because when she locked in, it's like, oh, she's winning. And she was Mm -hmm. locked in on that first night and she was locked in on the last night. Now, is was it just to put on a show? Absolutely. But it makes you think, if you're a longtime viewer of Momo Watanabe matches, at least puts it in your mind. Okay, here we go. And they were able to make Shuri feel vulnerable and human because of the way this tournament went. Momo obviously was meant to wrestle, but didn't have to because of Julia. Shuri had just wrestled 20 minutes, only had a 30-minute break, which in many... Cases you could argue is even worse because, like, anyone who's done sports know that if you, you know, perform, I was going to say if you wrestle, but, like, if you play basketball, you play football, and then you have 30 minutes to cool off and then yeah. have to get right back into it, 
it's difficult on the body. The body's yeah. not designed to do that kind of hard work, stop for 20 and go straight back out there. And, yeah, you know, Momo fires in from the start. Yeah, you know, sure, he's looking tired, trying to feign that tiredness. And like, no, no, I'm good to go. But, like, you can tell, you know, Momo's able to kind of get one up on her several times because she's the fresher wrestler. So just from a pure storytelling standpoint, whether it was meant to happen or not, they are able to weave it into a fascinating match, which obviously then benefited from two of the best wrestlers in the world combining wonderfully. You know, this is hard-hitting. Momo, I think, you know, when she gets a striker against her, likes to really push because she believes she's the best striker in stardom. So she's throwing those heavy feet up against Shuri, who then's like, hey, I'm a professional mixed martial arts champion. You're not better than me at this. And so they push each other harder and harder. And it all culminated into, yeah, near 20-minute classic. It. You know, I I think about it because I remember we, we've reviewed the final night together mm. the past two years, and I remember when we walked away from 2022 saying, "Yeah, this show of the year." We walked away from 2021 show of the year. The fact that 2021 was also supposed to have Momo versus Julia is just an insane thing to think about. Yeah, that's besides the point. Um, Shuri. I've said this on multiple podcasts. I'll say it again. She had the greatest one night performance I've seen mm. in pro wrestling. She had two outstanding, borderline five star matches. You know, you know, if you want to talk about ratings, this was, by the way, four and three quarters by Dave Meltzer. Uh, <laughs> oh, the four and a half for Sherry and uh, yeah. Takumi. I just wanted to point out the four and three quarters because that's a specialty. Yeah, that's, uh, the, that's the Meltzer classic. That's the when it comes to women's wrestling. Yeah. Yeah, um, but it was absolutely fantastic. Shuri gets the win, putting Momo away once and for all, getting her moment, locking in the rematch with Utami. We all knew. Mm. We all just had to wait now. Uh, you know, we had to wait a few months for Stardom Dream Queendom number one. And it was one of the greatest nights in Stardom history. And it's one of the greatest tournaments in Stardom history. And ultimately, it's all because of shuri without shuri in 2021 stardom isn't where they are now without shuri in 2022 they aren't where they are now she became the most important wrestler to this roster Hmm. from the tokyo dream cinderella match with utami to when she dropped the world of stardom title a year and a half later yeah. And she was prepared for it too because yeah, she had that tag title reign with Julia, that ALK reign, which was fantastic. And she had the SWA title reign, which was so important in, in my opinion, trying to keep that belt alive. You know, you can talk at nauseam about the, that championship and its place in stardom. But I think most people agreed at that point in time, it shouldn't have been around because of the circumstances of the pandemic and trying to put it on a champion that, you know, you could have matches with that roster. They found a loophole with Shuri, but those matches were compelling. They are important. They lifted up a lot of wrestlers in the process and made events feel more important because at that point in time, even before this tournament, obviously, a Shuri singles match felt like a big deal. And you knew what you were getting into was going to be hard-hitting, it was going to be awe-inspiring, and it was going to demand her opponent prove herself. And thankfully in this tournament, a lot of people proved themselves. They did. They did. It set the tone for the next year. I think Hmm. 2021 was a year of breakout for stardom. 2022 is a year of we're here. 
Yeah. And I think those two years have obviously made it unfair for the year of 2023, um, even though they have their biggest show ever on the calendar. But now we're seeing them obviously start to turn the wheels again. Looking back at this tournament, recognizing all the tournaments we've watched, all the tournaments we talked about in these two episodes, remembering the 2022 tournament, 157 matches, the likes of Suzu Suzuki, Risa Sarah joined the field, you know, Mina Shirakawa. A full run of Julia. A full run of Julia. Mina Shirakawa, you're better. All these things, right, going into that. Mm. Do you still believe 2021 is the best? Like, that is that is the crown jewel tournament of the five-star Grand Prix, and everyone's trying to catch it? Or did 2022, was they able to break that? Were they able to break Shuri's one run? Was we, We've established that Shuri has the best run. Yeah, best singular run is still sure in 2021. Best overall run is still 2022 as a stardom hole. And I think ultimately the thing there was the 15-minute time limit as opposed to 20. Yeah, at the time, I was really excited by the 20-minute time limit. Looking back, I think 15 allows everything to run just a bit smoother. And I'm very excited to kind of get the boast of Beth best of both worlds this year with the condensed roster and the 15 minutes. I think that's going to unlock kind of the best of both years coming together. But like trying to beat a single run like Shuri's, like you can chuck a murderer's row at her. And they, they essentially have this year too. Um, they'll throw a murderer's row at anyone else and trying to match what she does in this tournament. I hope it happens just because we get to watch it, but I don't see it happening. Julia had as close to a great final night as you can have. Like, she had the match with Suzu, mm. which obviously for a lot of people was the match of the tournament. She then had the match with Tam Nakano, which was fantastic, but it's in the top Shuri's. And I don't yeah. know if anyone can. I just, it's asking a lot, right? Like, it, it's asking a lot. But for instance, for the conversation we have now, if anyone's wondering, Final night for potential winners. Utami's facing Julia. Just mm-hmm. saying. I'm just saying. If there's a potential for someone to overcome the Shuri final night of a tournament, Utami and Julia have a pretty good spot on that last night. Um, just saying. Just Sayakama, Tommy, and Suzuki also face off on the same night. Same same match. Just saying. I just I just want to point these things out. Not saying I know who's winning, because I don't. Could it be I could be eating crow by the time uh, this, I was, was going to say it's going to be awkward when both of those matches are three minutes cautious. And well, yeah, okay. Meanwhile, then, Amy Sarai is going through to the final after a fourteen minute classic. This th- these shows are supposed to be listened to long in advance. That's a crime that you just committed. That is a crime you just committed. We move on. You're on pathetic. Um, Final thoughts about Shuri's five-star Grand Prix run. I mean, what more can you say about it? Like, it just executed on every level. Like, against the very best wrestlers in the company, she put on, you know, five-star classics or near enough. You know, even with Takumi, who wasn't in stardom at this time, obviously. She started with stardom, was now with Marvelous. An incredible match, and a match I really hope they find a way to run back. 
against different styles. She had the striking and MMA influence of a Konami. She had the more technical style of like a, a Takumi Aroha, had brute strength in Mika and Utami. You know, just having to change things up every single night, going up against the established wrestlers, the young up-and-coming stars, and the wrestlers who weren't quite there yet, Uraikas, Uranagi Sayakas, and bringing out like one of Uraikas' best matches is that little six-minute match with Shuri. Are you going to remember it? Probably not. But, like, if you're looking at Ruaka's best matches, that's among them. Um, yeah, it's just doing everything depending on the circumstance to get the best possible story out of it, whether she's wrestling in the main event of Currican Hall or the main event of a final or just kind of a random show. You know, Shuri's just finding every little aspect to draw as much as she could from it. She's coming on. Uh, 2021 Shuri is arguably the best year a woman's wrestler has had. And the only reason I say specifically women is because like I haven't watched you know your your 80s with the the four pillars and everything, but especially modern women's wrestling, like there's not a year that comes close. Uh, Shuri just put everything together, and you know that after that Utami match, we were kind of saying, could Shuri be there? In hindsight, it was almost crazy not to believe her because of what we then saw. But you know we're we're a pessimistic bunch at times. In a year and a half, Shuri established herself as a legend of this business. Mm. Not not a, you know, not a top, not just a top dog, not just a top champion, but a legend. It took a year and a half because if you go back into her archives, you'll see a lot of greatness. Mm. But to really show people what she was all about, she did it in pretty much a year and a half. You could say two years. I'd say yeah. two years from the start of 2021 till the end of 2022. You look at that, you look at that two year span, it's hard to beat. You have a s- multiple singles title reign, you have a tag title reign that's fantastic, you have a all timer tournament run, you have everything you want from a wrestler mm. in a two year span. And of course, she completed that by beating Utami on the final show of 2021 to hold the title for a year. Very special for uh, for Shuri. As we head into the 2023 tournament, we can only hope that we not only follow up the past two tournaments, but we have a winner that can rise to level that Shuri did. Julia did. Julia did her best. Like I said, Julia did her mm. best. To try to match Shuri. If anyone said Julia did match her, I wouldn't fight you on it. But to me, Shuri set the standard. She is the standard. Now everyone's just trying to reach for that. And that's the beauty of this tournament. That's why we talked about it here today in full, gave it the full conversation. So, with that, Trent, do you have anything to plug? Uh, just check my Twitter at one up culture. You know, obviously we're in the midst of five star Grand Prix preview season. So we have a, a visual video. We, we did the preview for, with the ocean cyclone show, which you can find on the wrestling YouTube page. Um, and you will also be able to find my written preview for five star Grand Prix next week on wrestling.com. Next week on wrestling com you heard it here first the monday specifically uh, it's planned ahead there you go it's already planned it's already ready to go um i've yes. updated all my graphics because they can't stop changing championships and stuff you should yeah. be good now you should be good now. <laughs> um 
anyways, yeah. So follow me at Scotty Wrestling on Twitter if you don't already. Um, if you're hearing this many, 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 many ways down the road, I'm still probably on there unless Twitter's over. And find just your look, friends. Yeah, go find me on Threads. I guess removing um, billionaires. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, I'll have plenty of content over the next couple of weeks regarding the Five Star Grand Prix. I also have a G1 Climax preview out because that just popped up. Don't know how that happened, um, but I did one. Got to give some love to the secondary tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 32 people is too much. Um, <laughs> 32 people in four blocks is nasty. Don't do that. Uh, but yes, you can check that out. You can check out my five-star Grand Prix preview. You can check out the WrestleIn one. I'll have a written five-star Grand Prix preview up probably the week of. Don't know when because it's not completed. So I'm not going to act. I'm going to sit here and act like it. I have the, I have the skeleton done. I just got to write now. Um, got to put some meat on those bones. Yes, yes, yes. Mine and Trent's are very different, so you should read both of them. Trent breaks mm. down every competitor. I bre- I I give you the I give you all the information, a couple stats and stuff like that. Then I just break down f- favorites, dark horses, and hey, you should probably watch this match. If you are yeah. a stardom uh if you're a general stardom fan, you just kind of jump in and out, keep your eyes on these matches. That's that's what I try to do. I try to keep it different so that you know it's more fun that way because i think mm. everyone that has a voice about this tournament is telling you something different in the best way possible uh and then on the 20th july 20th will be my live five-star grand prix preview that'll be Ooh. different from the one me and trent and ryan did i'm not More gonna serious. break i'm not gonna rate every competitor i'm going to i will break down every competitor but I'm, that we we got a little silly, you know. That's what we do. Um, it'll be very serious. I'll be answering questions. I'll be giving my predictions, my final predictions. A lot has changed since then. When we originally did that, uh, Utami was just going to G- no. Was she going to GCW? Yeah. Now <laughs> yeah, I know what that. Down. Now I know what that GCW run looks like. So it'll be very different. No, I'm still probably gonna pick the same winner. But either way. Make sure to check that out on the 20th on the Fight Game Media YouTube channel. Otherwise, that's it. We'll be back next time. I'll tell you what we're doing next time, but I don't know. That's it's a, surprise. a surprise. It's a surprise for all of us. So for Trent, I'm Scott, and this was the Stardom Road Podcast here on the Count Up Podcast Network. We'll see you next time. Bye. This has been a Count Out Podcast. Hi guys, this is Lauren. This is Michael. And this is Your Dose of Death Podcast. If you're genuinely curious about the world of deathmatch wrestling, look no further as me and Mike have you covered on all things in the world of deathmatch wrestling, whether it's interviews, show reviews, or everything in between. We have you covered on all things deathmatch wrestling, whether it's past, present, or future. And you're probably wondering where you can go support us. You can find Your Dose of Death podcast on all major podcast platforms, especially along with the Countout Network of Podcasts. And also, you can support us on the Countout Patreon, as we have exclusive content only on the Patreon for all of our listeners. We hope that you go listen to Your Dose of Death podcast very soon. And see you at the shows.